That's right, that's right. Welcome back to WBIM. You're listening to Mouthing Off Sports with Dan Sadik on 91.5 FM WBIM Radio. It is September 24th, 9 p.m. We're on till 10.30 tonight. Everybody, let's have a nice, good, efficient show tonight because there's a lot. There's a lot that we got to go over in general, not just the Patriots and their start that seems to be very apocalyptic and scary as they have started off the season one and two. And I have plenty of thoughts on that game last night against the Lions and how bad the Patriots looked, all of that. But we're not going to start there. We're going to start with the Celtics as they're looking to kick off preseason in just a few days. And we had media day. We got to see the team in their uniform all across the league. We got to hear from Kyrie Irving as well. There's been a lot of talk just in general about how, oh, Kyrie Irving is looking to leave the Celtics and go to maybe team up with Jimmy Butler in New York, or maybe he wants to go elsewhere and have his quote-unquote own team and have his own choice instead of being traded like he was to the Celtics. So there's been a lot of talk about that and a lot of speculation locally, nationally. It's been a hot topic, and it felt like it was going to be a hot topic pretty much the whole the whole season if Kyrie didn't address any, any of it. If there was nothing coming from him explicitly, then there's going to be speculation no matter what. There still could be, for all we know. Uh, Kyrie Irving did speak about it today, and I personally think it's encouraging because... You're hearing straight from the source. You're not hearing a report. You're not hearing a, you know, an alleged you know, speculation or assumption from some reporters. So I like that we actually heard directly from Kyrie Irving today. So we're going to play some of that audio for you because I think it's very, very relevant and something that needs to be remembered throughout the season because Kyrie Irving leaving the Celtics would be a huge, huge story. And him not leaving the Celtics would be also a huge story as this team looks like they're shaping up to have a run for the next decade with their core, with Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, Kyrie Irving. You still got your Marcus Smart, Terry Rozier. Don't know exactly what's going to go. There has to be probably some give there with Rozier since they extended Smart, but you got to feel good about this team going forward for a long time. So let's hear from Kyrie Irving. I just really thought it was important to make sure it's known that, you know, this this franchise is is really built for the next few years of being at the top tier of teams in the league. And um, who wouldn't want to be a part of that? I mean, you know, what more could you ask for from an organization to really elevate your game? And um, you know, when you're on the long, when you want to be on along those same lines, same lineage of greatness of guys that have come before you. I mean, you know, there, there are times where I think about having number 11 in the Raptors hopefully one day. And I mean. That's a dream, you know, so why not? You know, it wasn't so much coming out, but, you know, it's the truth. I feel that way about my teammates. I feel that way about this organization. So looking forward to the challenge this year. All right, so, I mean, right there, you hear him. You hear him right there. And straight from the source, he's telling you he loves being a part of this team. He f- he's getting the same feelings that he was feeling when he got traded here and realizing that he's part of a legit market and a legit organization that has – a lot of history attached to it, but also a lot of expectations, especially when you have a system that feels Spurs-esque and it feels like it's done the right way, top to bottom, 
from all the way up to ownership, all the way down to Coach Stevens and the players and how it's all operated. It seems like probably top three, if not top two operations in the NBA. So for Kyrie Irving to give that sort of sort of vote of confidence in the organization and the future, talking about how it's built for the future and it's going to be one of the top teams going forward. That's all factual. That's all very correct. So to hear him really voice that out instead of us just in general, people who have really been paying attention to this and who really are have legitimate concerns about whether or not he plans on leaving or not, if he's going to stay because if he plans on leaving and you don't trade him, you, he walks away for nothing, and then all of a sudden, all of a sudden you have to sort of reassess things from there and how you're going to build your point guard position. And look, I'm not saying he didn't sign an extension today. It's not like it's not like he's already slated to be on the team for the next four or five years. That wasn't done today. What was done was we heard from the guy at least talking about what other people have been talking about his thought process and what he's thinking and oh well he wants to be a movie star so he's going to go to New York and that's where he can do it. He basketball isn't his first priority. I don't know. The guy seems like he cares a lot about basketball to me. After hearing that, I don't know about you guys. I don't know about anybody else, but it sounds like he cares. It sounds like it sounds like he cares a pretty good amount. So another quick thing too is um, I did not learn until just recently that we cannot take calls just yet, and I thought thought we could, but we actually need the physical phone here and everything. I wasn't sure how all that was going to work, but so that's going that, to that's going to happen. I'm not sure exactly when. I'll talk to whoever, and uh, we'll figure that out. But until then, you can always tweet the show, follow the show. You can follow us at Mouth and Off Radio. That's the handle with no G on the mouth and mouth and off radio. And yeah, so that's kind of where we're at here with Kyrie Irving and the Celtics. You got to feel good about him saying what he said and sort of giving that that reassurance that he's not just looking to be here, show off to some teams that he's legit and that he's healthy and that his knee is okay. He sounds like a guy that genuinely wants to be here. And for me right now, I'll take that because he's not going to sign any extension. He's going to make more money if he opts out. That's just that's just what's going to happen if he wants to stay here. He, he's not going to re-sign just yet. He'll lose out on a good chunk of change. So all we have right now is his word. And that's better than him being quiet until the summer. And then all of a sudden, you don't know what's going to happen. I think... He's probably had a talk or two with Ainge and ownership probably about the future and what they want to do going forward, especially with his with his contract. How you know They've probably had talks just in general about what it's going to be like in the summer, but until then, they can't do anything, and they won't. So until then, we have preseason basketball coming up in just a few days this weekend, and yeah, it's preseason, but it's still basketball, and... I think we've all, everybody, whether you're just a casual fan, you're a diehard fan, you talk about the team, whatever it is, this is the team that was supposed to be last season. This was the team that we should have had in general for the 2017-2018 season. And now, we, now, hopefully, everybody stays healthy. That knee for Irving is okay. That leg for Hayward. Hopefully, it all checks out. It seems like it has been. They've been 
They've been just saying how they're they're good to go. They've been great in five on fives. According to their teammates, and Kyrie says himself, he feels great. He's ready to go. So, all right, all hands on deck. This team, I said it last week, the the bar for this team is a finals appearance. And Kyrie Irving seems to feel the same way. He was quoted saying that they believe they can beat the Warriors in a seven-game series. And obviously you have to have that confidence to be able to even do that, let alone getting to the finals itself. But I think this team, hands down, hands down in the East, will just probably, for the most part, for the most part, be wire to wire. Now, I think other teams could definitely get hot, but the Celtics, to me, it's head and heels above the 76ers, above the Bucks. They just have too much talent, and they're too good at the coaching position as well. They're, they just are, and their bench is better. Giannis, he's great, absolutely great. They don't have enough, though, surrounding Giannis on the Bucks. They just don't. Not to at least compete with the Celtics. They might throw a game or two at him, but besides that, I think it'll probably be the Sixers and Celtics in the Eastern Conference Finals. I've, I said that last week as well, but just to reiterate the expectation, and you should not lose to that team. I don't think they will, but at the same time, you never know what can happen throughout the season, right? Injuries, like we saw last season, can totally change the perspective and the expectations of any team. So, barring that, finals appearance for this team, that's what they need. That's the expectation. And, look, I think Kyrie Irving stays. I think today was a good day for people who believe that. So, great. Great. I love that he at least voiced his appreciation for the organization and sort of sort of forecasting a little bit. All right, this is a great team, but they're going to be great in the future too they're gonna be great for a while and I think he really does want to be a part of that I really do because again he he voiced his reasons and they're all pretty they're all pretty legit they all seem to check out yeah Boston isn't New York he couldn't be say if he wants to be in a lot of movies and stuff sure New York would definitely be better for his brand in that sense but in a basketball sense basketball wise it wouldn't make sense not unless he had another three stars coming over there with him. He's got to stay in Boston. If he really is serious about winning multiple titles, he's already won one, but he's going to be the guy on this team. And if he can do that and prove, hey, I didn't need LeBron, I can be successful and win championships on my own, that's definitely a goal in his mind. And I think his best opportunity, and I think he obviously understands as well, the Boston Celtics are clearly his best opportunity at succeeding in that so remains to be seen as preseason will be getting underway soon the celtics and the rest of the nba will be getting on the court finally it's been obviously another crazy summer with rumors and people moving lebron moving to la just so many moving parts so many moving parts uh over this summer so let's talk about it um we'll be right back we're going to take a quick break you're listening to WBIM Radio. You're listening to Mouth and Off. I'm Dan Sadik, and we will be right back.
Welcome back. WBIM Radio. Mouth and Off Sports with me, Dan Sadik. And so we've touched on a couple things. The Celtics, Kyrie Irving, and I'd like to really get into the Patriots now and their 1-2 and two start to the 2018 season after what was an offseason that I don't think anybody has really seen before in terms of this era of Brady and Belichick. It was unlike anything we've ever seen. It really was. Rob Gronkowski, after the Super Bowl, literally flirting with talking about retirement, and he doesn't know for sure what he's going to do. Brady is skipping OTAs and passing camp and spending time, you know, with his family, which, hey, he doesn't do that too often. He's always at OTAs. He's always at every single workout and passing camp, and he's always doing extra work with guys, especially like in Montana and things like that. He's always known for that, but it just, the relationship between him and Gronk and Belichick and Kraft and just mostly Belichick and Brady and Gronk, there's definitely, definitely a sort of fracture in that relationship. Not so much that they're not willing to play for Belichick, but so much that Brady almost traded Rob Gronkowski to the Detroit Lions this offseason. And it was confirmed today by who else? Rob Gronkowski. And it was something that has been reported on for a while now. Tommy Curran of NBC Sports Boston being um, the guy who's been really on top of it. But it hasn't really been confirmed. And you really would not expect Gronk to drop a bomb like that, that just confirming what we've all sort of thought. And let's hear from Rob. Let's hear from Rob. Yeah, it happened. And uh, Brady's my quarterback. That's all. Wasn't going anywhere without Brady. All right. So you heard it right from the guy. You heard it from Gronk. He's not going anywhere without Brady. That's his guy. And I don't blame him. I mean, business-wise, probably not the smartest move if he's looking to play for the next few years. But if he's sort of year-to-year with with Brady or, like, sort of just, all right, I'm basically, once Tom is done, I'm done. Or if he got traded somewhere else or if he got cut and went somewhere else, I would look to do the same thing and follow him. So that's pretty clear. Now, Gronk, he's not playing unless he's playing for Brady. And obviously he is here, but the fact that it got shut down because of that, that he wouldn't report to another team's camp unless Brady was the, was the quarterback, basically. I mean, that's all you need to know right there. And Belichick didn't get to trade him to Detroit, to Matt, to Matt Patricia, and, like, helping him out as well, obviously. And we, you know, the Patriots would have got draft picks for it, which, not terrible, but for right now in Brady's window... That's the last thing you need is more draft picks. You need all the talent you can get right now on that field for Brady to help him because 41, yes, coming off an MVP season, yes, that that doesn't mean he still doesn't need all the help he can have, especially after you didn't bring back Brandon Cooks. You traded him. You didn't pay Danny Amendola. And you're just – you didn't bring back Deion Lewis either. You're just sort of a shell. Your offense is a shell of – 
what it usually is and that I don't think that could be more clear after watching yesterday's game. I mean, I was starting to feel that against the Jaguars, but chalked it up to, you know, they have no receivers, but Brady can still make other guys better. He's known to make other guys better around him, but unfortunately, we have that's remained to be seen. Philip Dorsett was terrible yesterday. Absolutely. James White should have got more action. Don't know why he didn't. Brady exp- even expressed his concern and his his just dislike for that. He wanted James White involved more. Basically, a little hint or notion to McDaniels or Belichick or whatever that James White has to be involved more because he had really the only good, good catch or anything that really inspired any confidence in that in that game yesterday and that was that touchdown catch that he caught in the on the right on the back right end of the end zone and that was a great catch but I'd like to see more of it out of James White in general more action out of him Sony Michelle has been getting just so many looks every time pretty much every time he's out on the field he's getting he's getting the ball snapped to him he's getting touches so you know Brady's exact quote on on James White He's got to be involved. The guys who can make plays, those are the ones who should be involved, and I 100% agree. He's saying he's a guy who can make plays, clearly, in Super Bowl 51. That couldn't, that couldn't be more evident. The guy was almost Super Bowl 51 MVP, and he's not really getting any sort of true action, and I get it. You have to get your first-round pick involved in the game. You, you got to get him going. He missed preseason. He's coming off an injury. He, he's not going to look great, and he hasn't looked great. But at the same time, you still need to win football games because Miami, Miami, they're 3-0. You're playing them this Sunday at home. And if the Patriots lose that game, you can press the panic button. You can press it down even further. If you've got it pressed already, you can just smash it, destroy it. Absolutely. If the Miami Dolphins come in to Foxborough next Sunday and they beat the Patriots, I mean, it's not over. But w- one and three, one and two is bad enough with this roster, but one and three, oh my gosh. With Edelman obviously coming back after next week, but you just, you look around and you look around and Miami's atop of the division. If they win next week, they're 4 0. And honestly, they've played uh, the Patriots. They beat the Texans week one with a Deshaun Watson that does not look nearly like the guy we saw last year pre-injury. And also, the Texans haven't won. They're 0-3. So their only win is against a winless team. And if they lose this coming week, look out. Seriously, look out. I mean... I, it, it feels worse than 2014 against Kansas City. That game last night looked worse. Three straight to start off the game. Three straight three and outs. Not getting, you know, the running game. Just banging your head against the wall repeatedly. Repeatedly. I just really didn't get the play calling. I did not get, you know, I, I get it. Brady doesn't really have many options, but look, you you can only do so much when you're down big. Your defense is getting lit up. You can't make any big plays on D. You can't get a stop. And on offense, you're just banging your head against the wall constantly, just trying to run the ball, trying to establish the run. 
You can't run the ball. And they should have realized that by the second half. And they should have passed it more. They should have opened up the passing game much earlier. I don't know why they didn't. I don't know if there was something they saw in the defense and they just weren't able to execute. But there was no way that that running game was going on effectively last night. Not with the way the Patriots offensive line was performing in the run game. But also, you know, Sonny Michelle just, he's still getting his bearings set. And I feel like, I feel like we could be having a different conversation about Sonny Michelle in three weeks, maybe. It could be worse. He could be more, have more of a sample size that indicates he's not a first-round talent. He hasn't looked like a first-round talent so far after two games he's been in, so... It's remained to be seen for him as well. I I don't know. I mean, he's had he's had around like 20 total carries, around 80 yards. You know, that's a tiny, tiny sample size. Now that's it's not a terrible stat line, but he's only averaging about three and a half yards per carry, and he hasn't looked explosive. He hasn't looked like the guy that we all saw at Georgia last year. Looked like a great running back, a great combo sort of hybrid receiving back and so far hasn't looked like it he's been dropping passes yesterday we saw it just cannot hold on to the ball and you know that could just be sort of a getting again getting his bearing straight getting sort of comfortable with Brady but it's not the easiest thing in the world to get on that Brady trust tree so we'll see with with him I mean the offensive line obviously has to be better as well but he has to be better too because it's not solely on the offensive line it's not you can change your direction sometimes on your running when you're doing your routes like that you don't have to always go side to side you can go right up the middle if you have to if there's a breakdown on one side you can you know you can improvise the really great running backs are good at are very very good at sort of not rushing too much and sort of being too fast and then all of a sudden you know you're exposed they're very good at sort of like Le'Veon Bell like waiting it out waiting letting their their offensive line block and create the holes for them to not just not just trying to get to the line of scrimmage as fast as possible sometimes that's not the best way so I think I think he's going to figure it out to an extent I don't know if he's going to be as explosive and as impressive as he was last year at Georgia but pretty sure he, I think he's going to figure out at least how to be a serviceable back and a serviceable guy who can at least give you something offensively give you something so that Brady doesn't have to you know when Gronk is doubled doesn't have to just solely rely on getting Edelman or hitting trying to hit Dorsett and Dorsett can't can't hold on to the ball at all so what's he got to do just try to force it to Gronk or Edelman there has to be somebody else in there I don't know if it's going to be Sony Michelle, if it's going to be Josh Gordon, I don't, I don't. Who's going to step up? Somebody has to. You can't expect to have a deep playoff run or a Super Bowl appearance again if you can't pass to anybody but two guys, and they're getting doubled, and your other guys can't hold on to the ball, and you can't run the ball. So what else can you do? You can't. You need Josh Gordon to either be able to run deep routes and run good quick slants and quick goes to really open things up for the other guys or you need Sony Michelle as well or maybe both one of the two though they absolutely need for sure Sony Michelle may be catching 
some wheel routes and you know just getting involved somehow in the in the passing game especially if he's not having a great running day so there's ways they can get creative i think overall i just think it's one of those things that it all comes down to execution for them and whether or not they have the personnel to execute what they really want to do what belichick wants to do it doesn't feel like it right now but still it's only we're only three games in we're only heading into week four yes one and two looks terrible doom and gloom but they take the dolphins at home they take that game they're two and two all right could be a lot worse than that especially considering they had to play the jaguars who they were they were that was like their second super bowl or you know their first super bowl i mean that was like the jaguars could not be more amped up for that game and totally ready to just go 110 percent to the wall to beat the patriots so i get that but dolphins next week and then going forward after that colts at home that's probably a win thursday night football but Belichick and Brady, you know, at least under Andrew Luck in this current era of the Colts, they have just wiped the floor with them. So I, even on a Thursday night, even with this current state of the team, I don't think there's any reason why the Patriots should have issues with the Colts on Thursday night football in week five. And then after that, they have the Chiefs at home, which right now the Chiefs look like one of the best teams in the NFL in terms of just sheer you know quarterback coach their defense isn't good and they let up a bunch of points per game but Patrick Mahomes looks like the real deal 100% there was a play yesterday he made where he rolled out and he changed direction and completely just outran every defender that was coming at him and then finds a guy in the end zone just standing there just great improvision great athlete great young talent looks legit I mean, he's he's going to be vying for an MVP, that's for sure. He's already got 13 touchdowns on the year. It's just crazy what he's doing, absolutely. Second-year guy, too. Yeah, he sat last year, but wow. Patrick Mahomes is legit, so if the Pats defense can't figure it out by then, I mean, that's going to look like a doozy of a game. It looks like that, like, if the Patriots are playing – how they're playing right now, if they play like that against the Chiefs, they're going to get blown out easily. And then after that, they have the Bears and Bills. So there's room to sort of recover here. Yes, the Chiefs the Chiefs game is a likely loss, but if you beat the Dolphins and beat the Colts, all right, you're back to above 500. You're 3-2. and two. You know, you sort of get that momentum. You win a few games, and all of a sudden, the the whole vibe is different. The whole feeling, it starts to change when you start to win. And you know what? They could definitely do it. It could go the other way. Miami, historically, pretty much a, co- a coin flip between the two teams. So I don't really – it really could go either way. It's great that they're home. If they weren't home, I'd have a lot of concern that they would just end up losing, going starting one and three, and then literally smashing the panic button as hard as I can because that's what I would do. Absolutely. So, I don't know. I don't know where Brady's going to get the help besides Edelman. But, so far, it's been historically bad. Tom Brady's wide receivers this year have the fewest targets, 36. Receptions, 24. And yards, 230. Through the first three games of the season, 
since Brady became the starting quarterback. That's only excluding two years, which doesn't count because Brady wasn't on the team. Or Brady was hurt in 08, and 2016, Brady missed the first four games. So, I mean, that's historically bad for wide receivers under Belichick and Brady to be that bad and that inefficient. It's just inexcusable. And there was an intentional grounding play uh, penalty yesterday on Brady in which Corderell Patterson ran the wrong route and Brady was visibly frustrated, as he should be. He's used to guys knowing where to be, knowing where to go, so those kind of mistakes don't happen. You see a 12-man on the field call against the Patriots yesterday as well. A, a, a penalty that really only happens to teams that are inept and don't know what they're doing, which the Patriots, as we know, historically have been a team that they do know what they're doing and they are adept and not inept. And they have a clue and they don't make stupid mistakes. They actually push the boundaries and sort of take as much as they can sort of you know by the rules go by the rules but do as much as you can without you know overstepping some boundaries right they've been very good at that but but this I mean things like that for that to happen I mean you're playing the Detroit Lions a team that looked like dead in the water after two weeks Uh, they get blown out by the Jets and they just look like a terrible team Matt Patricia looks like he doesn't have a clue And then last night, Sunday Night Football, it looked like Matt Patricia knew exactly what play was going on every single time, offensively and defensively. Guys couldn't get open. The running game was non-existent for the Patriots. And defensively, they got just demolished by first-year head coach, and a team that looked like they were absolutely dead in the water after two weeks. So it's not a good look. It's actually a terrible look. It looks worse than 2014 Kansas City and the wear on to Cincinnati. It doesn't, it just feels worse. Not just looks, it feels watching. Watching Gronk, you know, on live television saying, yeah. Yeah, I shot down that trade and threatened retirement. Yeah, yep. Like, what is that? Always. What do we hear about the Patriot way? And, you know, you don't really give the media anything. You don't really tell them about what's going on and sort of things are kept in-house. You don't really say much. You say a lot without saying anything. And they've always been great at that. Always. That's been their mentality of how they've approached sort of the media and but Gronk is, you know, after that loss, Gronk is like, yeah, yeah, um, totally, uh, totally uh, veto that trade by threatening retirement. Yeah, yeah, it happened. So, yeah, it happens. Yeah, like, just so, like, I just feel like two years ago that would never have happened. Even if it did happen, I don't think he would have aired it out like that. And I mean, it seems like, it seems like now there's just a different a different feel with their relationships and you know that happens they you know it's, Gronk's been there since 2010 so about 8 years and but Brady and Belichick have been sort of sort of tied at the hip for 
better part of 17 years, 18 years. So, sure, things can definitely get dicey, and they have, obviously. There's been many stories written on it, and ultimately, is that the reason why they're not going to win the Super Bowl this year? No, if they don't win the Super Bowl this year, that's not the reason. It could be part of it. It could be some, you know, part of it that sort of influence other things to happen, like trying to trade Gronk. If you're trying to trade Gronk, imagine this team as bad as it is offensively already. Just imagine this team without Rob Gronkowski and having Julian Edelman being your top receiver. It would literally be 2013 when Gronkowski tore his ACL against the Browns and you were left with Edelman. Kimberl Tompkins, Austin Colley, Matthew Slater even came in for a few plays at wide receiver. That's how bad they were and how just thin at the position they are. And if they already feel thin right now, but if you, if Gronk got injured, if they had traded him somehow, oh my gosh, it, it, I would be so confident that the team would not even make the playoffs no way there's no no shot if that happened but it didn't but just the fact that it was a possibility and Gronk just casually airing it out like yep yeah I shot it down I thrived retirement it speaks volumes about what's going on over there right now and it should concern you as a fan but what could what should concern you more as a fan is literally that Brady has nobody to throw to the defense looks like they can't cover anybody, and it looks like everybody's going to light them up this year because a few reasons, right? No more Butler, so you're left with Stephon Gilmore as your main corner. You got guys like Eric Rowe that have to come in and Jonathan Jones, who's not terrible, but come on. I mean, they had two guys, two legit corners that right there, that helps your secondary immensely, but they don't. They just got Gilmore there now, and besides that, the linebackers look slow. Hightower especially, they just look slow on defense. They looked like, what they really looked like yesterday was just a step, literally for every step an offensive player for the Lions were taking, just every guy on the Patriots seemed like they were a step back, always, mentally and physically, just, just a step back. Not, not getting the tackle in time, letting the guy get the first down. And it just seemed like it happened to every single play, though, yesterday. And it's one of those things the Patriots are going to have to work on overall. Open field tackling, conditioning, speed, whatever it is. I don't know if there's something wrong with Hightower. I, I don't hope there is, but I would think maybe there's something nagging him because he just, I don't know how you turn into this kind of player, like a shell of yourself overnight. It doesn't seem possible. It just seems like there's something going on there with Hightower. Not sure. Not sure what that could be, but he doesn't look he doesn't look right. So, besides the offense being just so thin, you got the defense as well getting shredded on a weekly basis. And it's one of those things you hate to see and you just hope it gets better. That's the only thing. It doesn't they don't have to be a top 10 defense. If they're just better, maybe middle of the pack, maybe not letting up just an insane amount of yards every game, that, 
That's all they have to do. Go back, just try to be Ben, don't break. Don't try to be anything you're not, because clearly they're not explosive on defense at all. Really anywhere. Gilmore was even torched for a touchdown yesterday by Jones. Marvin Jones. So, like, you're not getting production. Even out of a guy like Gilmore, you're not getting the same production. So, they're going to have to coach it up. Bill's going to have to pull a few rabbits out of the hat. I don't know. They're going to do, have to do something. They, this cannot go on much longer. I don't envision that it will go on the whole season on both sides of the football. I think by around week eight, they're going to feel like we're going to have a different opinion. Maybe not, you know, maybe they're not world beaters in the NFL, but maybe they're back to being like, okay, we can expect them in the AFC championship game or at least vying for sort of that spot or that trip to the Super Bowl. I expect it. I still expect it. I'm borderline panicking, though, because a loss to the Dolphins on Sunday is just that's when the, that's when the sirens go off, everybody. That's that's when all hands on deck. Holy crap. If that happens, it's just going to be ridiculous. So, you know, it's all it's all sort of a matter of time. They have to figure it out. Practice this week. There has to be an emphasis. There has to be an emphasis on guys getting open, holding on to the ball, guys on defense, not breaking down in coverage, not getting beat, not getting burned, and wrapping guys up properly because they seem like they have an issue as well with proper tackling. And again, that's all things that need to be addressed. There's only so much you can do already in the midst of the season. Yeah, you can maybe make a trade, maybe find a guy that you can plug in and can kind of just help take the pressure off of some of the other guys. But again, there's only so much you can do. It's not like there's amazing talent out there just waiting to be traded for. So it's all a matter of time and a matter of just keep playing, keep practicing and playing. And the Dolphins this week, again, you have Ryan Tannehill and the Dolphins who are 3-0. and Don't think anybody saw that coming, obviously. But still, that's a team you're going to have to worry about if, if they give you a real test tomorrow. Because even if they end up being three and one and they look good, you know, three three and zero oh to start the year is legit in the NFL. All the teams, yeah, there's obviously teams that are are worse and have worse records, like two and fourteen. But overall, at the end of the day, beating an NFL team is worth something. So the fact that they're three and zero oh says something. It says that they're not bad. And that they're going to be at least, pro- I, they'll probably be around like an 8-8, eight 9-7 eight, type of team. But the Patriots can't, they can't fall. It's a must-win game. Absolutely. I think everything breaks loose if they lose. So, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. After the break, we're going to talk about the Red Sox a bit. And just this upcoming postseason, right? And how they should really get the most out of everyone specifically David Price Chris Sale who's going first who's going second and how are they going to work the bullpen all of that is a huge huge question mark as obviously they're the best team in baseball um that's just that's that's a given I mean 
best team in baseball, but going into the postseason, we all know it's a different game. The bullpen becomes more just important. There's more of an emphasis. Your starters don't necessarily go seven or eight. They're usually six, maybe seven. So there's going to be a lot of pressure on that bullpen and that offense, especially if the bullpen's bad. There's going to be a lot of pressure on them to perform, on them to out-hit the bullpen if it comes down to it. So, look, not saying this Red Sox team is a bust and that they're going to be one and done, but they were the last two years, and besides J.D. Martinez, there's not much else different to this team, and he adds a lot. Don't get me wrong. He adds plenty, huge bat in the lineup, changes your lineup completely, but your bullpen has to be somewhat efficient. They can't be an absolute dumpster fire like they are right now. So it remains to be seen. We will be right back. You're listening to WBIM Radio. You're listening to Mouth and Off Sports with Dan Sadik. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Welcome back to WBIM Radio, 91.5 FM, broadcasting from Bridgewater State University in Bridgewater, Massachusetts. It's Mouth and Off Sports with Dan Sadik. Again, I said this er earlier, you guys can usually call in, but in the new studio, we don't have the phone system set up yet, so that's a little bit of a work in progress, but no worries. We'll be hearing from you very soon, very soon. Um, so, before we get into the socks, actually, you know, we have such great news that unfolded over the weekend, I'm sure. As I started talking about it, those of you who are listening, you're probably going to you're gonna know what I'm talking about. And a lot of people, you know, are on kind of either side of this. You know, this, this guy is a pretty polarizing guy, figure, in sports, athlete. He's probably the most polarizing athlete in all of sports. Ladies and gentlemen, Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods has won his first tournament in five years. It's been five years since he won a tournament. It's been ten years since he's won a major. Nonetheless, Tiger Woods has won again, and boy, was it quite the scene and atmosphere as he had hundreds and hundreds of people walking with him, following him. Just a huge mob of people. And on 18, he almost sunk. It was like a, it was probably like a 12-footer. And the, the ball ended up right next to the hole. And if you watch it, he sort of walks up, walks up to the ball, gets on one foot, sort of holds his stance for a second before he puts his club down. Puts his, puts his putter down and then just kind of just soaks in the moment for a split second after, you know, just everything he's sort of been through in, in terms of, like, what's happened in his life since 2008 and since 2013 as well. I mean, there hasn't been a guy that's prob probably been dragged more in terms of his public sort of incidents that have led to him getting 
a good amount of negativity thrown at him. There's a plenty of people out there who don't want him to succeed or they want him to be relevant but not winning because they don't want to see him win. And you know what? Those are reasons, you know, I mean, you can hate him for a few things, many things, off of the golf course. I'm not talking about the guy, Tiger Woods. I mean, I'm talking about the what the player himself has been through in general with also tons of injuries, back issues that have plagued him. I mean, he's dealt with all of that as well. He had that DUI arrest. Obviously, his very public divorce. So, but when I think of Tiger, I think of the guy who just every Sunday, you knew, all right, like, it's Tiger at the field. I mean, you know, you knew pretty much Tiger was going to take home the crown almost every Sunday until that huge public incident that probably, probably really affected him mentally more than anything else. Which, in golf, I mean, you all know that's so huge. You need to have strong mental toughness and not let the pressure and things get to you. And he became very, very stripped down and humanized after that incident and led to him with a lot of winless and uh, just winless summers and summers where he was either withdrawing or he wasn't making the cut. Just tournament after tournament and setback after setback. You're not really sure if you were ever going to see Tiger Woods play at a high, high elite level that was so uh, we were so accustomed to as viewers. But especially if you had enough talent or skill left in general to win a tournament, let alone a major, just a tournament. And he did that at East Lake this weekend. So, I mean, props to Tiger, props to... Him sticking with it at his age. He's in his 40s now. But he's proven now. He's proven. Going into 2019, look out. Just look out. I'm, I'm, it's just a fair warning to anybody who even gives a slight, just the slightest bit of care about golf. Get ready for next summer because it's going to be legit. It's going to be real. I, I went to the Dell Technologies Championship over the summer in Newton, Mass., and, I mean, it wasn't to this extent that we saw over the weekend, but even just seeing it in person, seeing the entourage of people following him and just getting any glimpse they can, any glimpse they can to see him, just to see him, you could feel it. I mean, you could totally feel it. And I can't imagine what it was like at East Lake. I cannot imagine what it was like in St. Louis for the PGA Championship. I cannot fathom just how loud and just that the overall atmosphere of those events because you could you could see it on Twitter a bit. You could see some videos and him and Rory walking and Rory sort of, you know, he's like, you know, hey, you know, look at all these people. Like, are you kidding me? And Ty, you know, he, he's got that smile and he's like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he knows. But he, it's just wild. It's unlike anything else in sports, really, is just this guy, Tiger, and the infatuation with with his game and with him succeeding and he did it at least on a tournament level not a major level but he did win he did win and not only that it's not like it was just out of nowhere he he just won and it was like oh like great yeah he won and he's back like he's been competitive pretty much the whole summer he was close in the pga championship he was close in the british open championship i mean 
very, very close. Not like top 15 or top 20. So to say that the guy's back isn't like a joke. It's not just a joke anymore. It's legit. So 2019, get ready because in my mind, 2019 is going to be the year of Tiger Woods. Probably at least one major. I don't know. I'm not going to predict how many majors he's going to win next year. But he's going to win one again, at least one. That's all I can tell you, though. Tiger Woods officially back. Now, and Justin Rose as well taking the FedEx Cup. I mean, kudos to him. Tiger even said, you know, he thinks that Justin Rose is the best player in the world. All right. So that's great respect right there. So that's enough golf for now. So we're going to go on to some Red Sox talk. And for the Red Sox, as far as the Red Sox go, you you would have no reason not to just feel good about the team in general. Like, I, I know the bullpen is the main issue, but just the overall feel of the team, right? They have had a historic season. You've seen Mookie Betts return to form and have an MVP-type caliber season. You've seen J.D. Martinez fit right in with this team as well, and but you've seen the bullpen struggle. You've seen that bullpen really let you down in many ways. So that's really the ultimate question mark is that bullpen. Now, the starters, yes, they haven't proven themselves in October, but I'd be more concerned just hoping that Chris Sale's healthy and that he can get out there and give you 90 to 100 pitches, seven innings. David Price, if it's not against the Yankees, I think I think he'll be good. If he's not in Yankee Stadium, I think David Price is going to He's going to show people he can win in October. He's going to get his first win as a starter this this October. But the real question is, when they're going up against those elite teams, your Houston Astros, your, your Yankees, but you also your Indians, are they going to be able to sustain in a full series, a five-game series? And then if you win that, obviously you got the ALCS seven-game. And then World Series... That's a lot, okay? That's asking a lot of a team, top to bottom. Offense, starters, bullpen. There's a lot that has to go their way. And, yes, they had great wins this season. They weren't just all against terrible teams. A lot of them were, but you look at them uh, yesterday, losing again to the Indians, and, you know, they're going to be pl- that's a team literally you're going to be playing in the playoffs and granted it was close but those are games that are most likely going to be very close the playoff games and you're going to need to really rely on your bullpen really lean on them to either keep a tied game tied keep a two run lead or keep you in a game that you're only trailing two runs and that's a you know you have to have a level of trust with your bullpen in order to really achieve playoff success and it doesn't seem like Alex Cora trusts them nor should he but it's just a matter of who could step up who could actually fill in the eighth inning role and I really you know it's really a coin flip at that point you really have no idea because no guy's really really shown you anything that would lead you to believe that they're going to have any sort of success in October. It doesn't feel like it. Now, the offense, they could go off for a straight two, three weeks, 
easily. I think they could. I think they could easily explode offensively, but it's just a matter of you're going up against elite competition. And Mookie Betts and J.D. Martinez, are those bats going to be as hot in the playoffs? Are they going to be able to hit elite pitching consistently in the playoffs? Are you going to get burned by your bullpen? Are your starters going to be able to at least give you a six, seven, six or seven? Good, solid, strong quality outings? I'm not sure. I think David Price will give you at least one. But if Chris Sale isn't 100%, it's going to be hard to... It's going to be really hard for him to uh, to just get in a groove and get in a rhythm because it seems like it's been leading up to, you know, they've been building him back up sort of with his pitch count. But when it comes playoff time and he hasn't had a couple games where he's really had his full workload and full outing, whether it's six, seven innings, 85, 90 pitches, he hasn't really, he's not going to have a few of those under his belt with sort of this, you know, momentum and confidence and that, he can last throughout the whole game and his arm isn't going to get sore and he's not going to have to come out early. And that concerns me because that goes into confidence as well in the, in the pitcher, within the pitcher himself. And besides that, Porcello is an absolute question mark in the playoffs. He hasn't really done much in his career in the playoffs. The stats would suggest that he's not good in the playoffs, but... Other than that, you have Erod, Eduardo Rodriguez, who, again, hasn't proven anything in the playoffs, has been on and off the DL this year, has had good outings, but has also shown signs of that uh, sort of his fatigue with his knee and having to come out early sometimes and not and throwing a ton of pitches in, say, five innings and not only making it four or five. He's had those as well. He's had those recently, too. So... There's not a lot to be there's not a lot that you can point to with the starters or the bullpen that would make you say, Yes, I can trust them and you know, we don't have to worry about that much in terms of the first series, you know, or or going up against like the Yankees. But the Yankees are more this current iteration of the Yankees are more proven in the playoffs than this Red Sox team is even though the Yankees still, they have to climb, right? They have to win the play-in game. Then they get the Red Sox. So if that happens. But that's the thing. They were inches from a World Series bid last October. So they've at least been there. They've at least won an ALDS and competed hard against the World Series champions, the Houston Astros. So the Yankees have shown you more. They have more things that you can point to and say, all right, I'm confident. I have confidence in, say, their bullpen or, you know, with uh, Batantis and Chapman and a guy like CeCe Sabathia who has been proven in the playoffs and has an actual resume that you can look at and say, yeah, yeah, I'd be surprised if he didn't pitch well. Now, I'd be more surprised if the Red Sox – starting rotation was all like if they all were at least solid if they all just put out quality starts that would kind of surprise me because I don't expect it I you know you just think you look at the team you look at those guys you look at the bullpen and it just doesn't 
it doesn't inspire confidence. It doesn't inspire trust from the manager. It doesn't it doesn't lead me to believe that that they're going to be able to win these close October games when you're in the eighth inning. Say you got two guys on base, one out. You're only up by one, and you got to throw Matt Barnes in there. You got to throw Matt Barnes in there, please, please. I mean, like he could get lucky. Some one of them could just spark fire, but the chances of that happening are slim. Very, very slim. And like I said last week, you can blame Dame, Dave Dombrowski for this if that happens. You can. Absolutely. There'd be nobody else to blame. Because other than Kimbrell, the bullpen is an absolute joke. Absolute joke. If they took, if they, if they were as serious about their lineup as they should, as they should be with their bullpen... Their bullpen would be at least, at least serviceable. You could at least maybe point to one or two guys that, you more often than not, more often than not, they're going to get guys out. They're going to throw strikes. They're not going to be wild. They're not going to throw just absolute meatballs down the middle to serve up a a la Matt Barnes. Uh, so that's a big that's a big question mark. Just the Red Sox, their bullpen. I think their offense will I think they'll they'll be fine. I don't see why they wouldn't be. Mookie Betts had another home run tonight. Just looking like the MVP of the league. JD Martinez has cooled off over the last two months, but you can't expect a guy to keep the pace up that he was at in April and May and June. You can't. But overall it's still a great season for both guys and it you know, I believe that they'll be hitting big time in, in October. They're going to need a hit big time in October. Because if they don't, if they don't, that's that would be an even bigger issue, is if they don't hit. Because if, if they can't hit offensively, if they can't produce runs, that bullpen, I mean, it won't even really matter. That bullpen cannot be elite. And they can't even really be average. But certainly not elite. So that offense has to at least do, do their part. And the starters in the bullpen... If they just give you a, if they just give you serviceable, decent, I think the Red Sox are looking at a long fall and a deep run in the playoffs. But that's what it all comes down to ultimately, right? That bullpen just being decent. The starters just being decent. And not coming out of the third inning and then all of a sudden you're setting your bullpen back. A bullpen that already has issues letting up bombs in high-pressure, high-leverage situations. They already have that issue. So the last thing the Red Sox need to do in terms of the starters is make it harder on them coming out early or the offense not being able to produce runs and help out the bullpen or bail out the starters here or there, right? So there's a lot going on. There's a lot going on with this team. There's a lot going on with the Patriots panic button is getting smashed on Sunday folks if they lose it is getting smashed I will bring in a panic button for you and I will smash it like 10 times because you lose to the Dolphins on Sunday folks oh my gosh get ready get ready for 
everybody's saying the Patriots are done. Everybody, and I'll, I'll at least be very concerned. I'm not, I wouldn't even say they're done if they lose on Sunday. I'd say they dug themselves a hole that could be too big to dig out. It just for, for anybody, let alone, you know, Tom Brady or Belichick. It's going to be hard for even them. Looking at the landscape, looking at their personnel, and the Celtics, Kyrie Irving giving a vote of confidence to the organization and how he views the situation here going forward. Had great things to say about the young core, how it's going to be a great team going forward. So you got to be confident if you're a Celtics fan, right? You got to be confident. They look like a great team. They look like they're going to come out firing on all cylinders. So let's see. Should be a great, great NBA season, not just for the Celtics, but for the league in general. A lot happened over the summer, and a lot more is going to happen during the season. So thank you all for listening. We're going to be wrapping it up tonight. We're going to be back next Monday. Maybe we'll have a phone, maybe not. But once we do, we'll have anyone who wants to call the show on the show, any guests, anybody who just wants to call and request a song or something, all of that. We'll have all of it once it's available to us. And until then, I'll talk to you guys later. You've been listening to WBIM Radio. You've been listening to Dan Sadik, Mouthing Off Sports, 91.5 FM. Folks, we'll see you next Monday at 9 to 10.30. Have a good night. Not a yes, sir. Not a follow. Fit the box, fit the mold, have a seat in the foyer. Take a number. I was lightning before the thunder. Thunder, thunder.